0: this is the message of the good news is that God sees us com- already complete in Christ as this exquisite masterpiece, beautiful work of, you know, his own love uh, manifested in us. And, and so that's what we need to bring into the world. That, that, that is in fact, that, that, that is the reason why God has trusted us and trusted us to carry out the work of God's abundance in the world.
1: Hello, and welcome to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. I'm Nate Mancini, I'm one of the founders of Forefront, and joining me today is Forefront chairman, Rich Chrisman. Hello. And we have a very special guest joining us today, and that is artist Makoto Fujimura. Mako, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Uh, It's great to be here.
1: Absolutely. So for those of you who may not be aware, Makoto is the founder of the International Arts Movement and the Fujimura Institute and co-founder of the Kintsugi Academy. He is a visual artist in the ancient Japanese painting style Nihonga, and he has written several books, most recently Art and Faith, A Theology of Making, which we're very excited to speak with him about today. Now, uh, Mako, you're you're known for slow, uh, careful processes of, of art making, and uh, perhaps against our better judgment, we're doing something now which is quite the opposite of that, which is <laughs> something we call a lightning round, uh, where we ask you some very short questions with short answers, uh, and so it should be fun, just a way to get to know each other a little bit, so I'm going to pass it off to Rich for that.
2: All right, so... Just, you know, first cognition, what comes to your mind when I ask you, uh, what's your favorite thing about New Jersey?
0: (laughs) Well, New Jersey uh, can be beautiful. Uh, Most people think of New Jersey Turnpike, you know, when you land at New York Airport, but I live in Princeton here, and uh, it's uh, getting to be spring uh, almost, and uh, it's, it's very beautiful here.
2: That's great. Um, well, you know, you're saying it is beautiful, but assuming New Jersey is not the most beautiful place you've ever been, what is the most beautiful place you've ever visited?
0: Wow. Um, I have several uh, choices today. I, I visited Colmar, France once, um, which is where Grunewald, uh, uh, Isenheim, Autopieces, and uh, that little town is, was just beautiful and charming. That's awesome.
2: What well, what is your favorite time of day?
0: Oh my goodness. Um I would say early in the morning.
2: <laughs> First thing. When when do you wake up in the morning usually?
0: Um usually around 6:30 37. Okay,
2: great. And yeah. then in a in a similar vein, what's your favorite time of the year?
0: Uh, I I would say early spring, you know, uh March like like now. <laughs> oh,
2: that's great. Um if you were to recommend a book that's relevant to faith and art that you didn't write, what would it be?
0: Um, Dorothy Sayers, The Mind of the Maker. Oh,
2: all right. One more. What are you most looking forward to when COVID is no longer a risk? <laughs> uh,
0: gathering in these small groups and uh, doing kintsugi workshop.
2: <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Well, that's kind of a great transition. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kind of transition into asking you, I'd love to talk a little bit about your process. So uh, for our listeners that might not be familiar with your art or with the Nihonga method of creation, would you be willing to just take a moment and briefly describe what uh, Nihonga is and how the resulting art is unique?
0: Nihonga is Japanese style paintings uh, translated and uh, it Hawkins back to Eighth century, but um, I was privileged to be part of a lineage program in Japan as a national scholar. Uh, with, uh, six and a half years of uh, studying under master uh, of Nihonga um, artists and artisans. Uh, it's an ecosystem, in fact, and uh, <clears throat>
2: um,
0: there's there's a whole support system. At least it used to be more robust than it is now, but. Um, of people who prepare pigments, minerals, pulverized minerals, who uh, for and with you, uh, and papermakers who make uh, very large uh, paper um, that you know allows you to paint significantly large paintings, and uh, and you know sumi ink, which is calligraphy ink, but it's it's a compressed pine soot uh, with nikawa glue which is the uh, water-based glue that we use and that uh, is sometimes it can be uh, a stick can be uh, over a century old and you're rubbing it against the stone Uh, it takes about 20-30 minutes before it it becomes ink so uh, whether you're mixing pigments by yourself or stretching paper um, it takes time uh, and um so I call it slow art. Um mm-hmm. and, yeah, very much somatic way of making your own paint and mixing them, layering them over and over. Um some of my paintings have over eighty to a hundred layers before you start. So it 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 takes a while. Um and um so it yeah. it's, it's uh, but but it, it's exactly I'm using exactly the same materials the limpa uh, screen artists used in 17th century Japan. And um, I sometimes the sub- substrate is um, more space age technology. Uh-huh. Um, so it's a mixture of old and new.
2: Well, it's it's not hard to see where your uh, kind of philosophy of slow art may have come <laughs> from or developed, but I uh, that, it's just so fascinating to me the uh, how much history and how each piece that you mentioned, you know, down to the glue and and the paper and all that. And the collaboration of all these different uh, artisans is just a beautiful thing. Hmm. Well, we at Forefront, we read your book. And in the the chapter, The Sacred Art of Creating, uh, you talk about how your art relies on the slow processes and you quote, it fights against efficiency. Uh, This motif of slowness seems to apply across the process. The art, like you said, is very slow to create, and it also should be experienced slowly in order to be appreciated and lasts for a long time and even changes over time. Uh, Could you just talk for a minute about why this type of slow art is so meaningful to you personally, and perhaps even more broadly, what Christians can learn from it that live in today's Western culture, which is so Mm fast-paced and...
0: Yeah, it's it's not just Western culture that's fast-paced. Uh, I, I think you know this industrial efficiency has taken over culture and and has reduced uh, capacity to use our senses fully. Um, and mm. artists of all type, whether it be painting or dancing, you know, dancers, modern dancers um, who use their bodies, they are um, enlarging our uh, capacity to understand the world through our senses and mm-hmm. that is by large um, some, something that is disappearing today obviously because of technology but but also uh, because of the underlying philosophy of uh, what I call utilitarian pragmatism mm-hmm. that truncates what we think we know or what we can know um, and Reduce everything, uh, even ideological principles, to binaries and false dichotomies that um, mitigates against the full, fullness of our humanity. Mm-hmm. So you lose sight of the 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 whole uh, first of all, um, but but the way we try to understand the world, even even our knowledge base is. Has has become very much um, this rationalistic, analytical, mm. uh, propositional information. And um, the, we know as human beings that we how we come to know the world is much more robust than that. Um, you mm. know, we, we are born into the world with our uh, first knowledge is... A touch and smell and taste and um it affects the you know right right side of the brain first and uh, mm. that we developed our uh, senses and feedings for those experiences and then we develop language and analytical and rational thought so um mm. the, the we've kind of you know reversed the process and in, in in school work um you know or, or even church um we sit and take in information and we try to force it down the effective and then then the somatic knowledge so so it's i uh, you know many people have noted that this is you know the reverse of how we human beings learn and and so uh, you know, we we have uh, everything from education to art, to culture to politics to uh, even how we convey the the daily news has been truncated um, by this uh, way of mm-hmm. reducing information.
2: A very uh, timely <laughs> series <laughs> of observations you have here, but yeah. uh, so I, I I couldn't help but notice that. I'm a big fan of, uh, the work of Mark Rothko and a lot of the, the work, uh, his artistic work. And I, I, I know you, uh, have been influenced by Rothko in some ways, and I hear some of his philosophy kind of, uh, you know, undergirding some of yours. Right. Uh, so my next question for you, especially for, uh, our listeners here that are, are fans of your painted work, um, your style of painting is inspired uh clearly by the work of some of the uh American ag- abstract expressionists like Rothko and maybe De Kooning and and people mm-hmm. like that. And I just wondered if you would let us know uh who are some of your favorite painters and who are a couple of painters that have influenced you most directly.
0: Yeah, Rothko is definitely one of those huge influences. I, I was uh privileged to be part of Rothko's uh, PBS American Masters mm. program. And wow. uh, this was, um, you know, mainly uh, driven by Christopher Rothko, yeah. Rothko's son, um, and wanting to capture the whole of Rothko. And uh, even, you know, the terms we use, like abstract expressionists, uh, Rothko resisted, the, uh, mm-hmm. as you may um because he was after something that is transcendent um and and authentic to his time and so i i think of it as kind of a representation of reality and and even the anxieties and fears that we have in in our atomic age um and so Rothko captured that in in these very um, beautiful ways and authentic ways, um, and you know you don't really you can't really see a Rothko until you wait um, and yeah. sit in front of it for some time, and most people don't do that, so they miss out on this incredible experience that you can have. Um, again, he was painting in layers so um, many of the layers the, your naked eye can see um, w- which will not be captured in any kind of digital form but if you sit in front of it you you can see um, there there was a recently I, actually right now um, an exhibit in New York City of Rothko and Frederick Church side by side. Frederick Church is one of the Hudson River painters. Mm. So a very different type of uh, painting Frederick church will be considered uh, American landscape painter, um, but they share a lot in common because of the transcendence and and um, and and the the uh, pursuit of transcendence. Uh, you know that, that makes Rothko's painting next to church. Um, they are almost uh, landscape paintings, and um, they make sense to read it that way. But both of those artists, I, I would say, are seminal influences of mine.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these, these like, slow art that we talked about, and also um, the use of layers, and space, and time, and um, ingredients, and, and the intentionality of both making and experiencing art are hallmarks of a lot of your thought and your work. Um would you, before we moved on to, to the book, would you just tell us what, do you have a typical kind of daily routine or a mm-hmm. morning or evening routine? Would you share that with us?
0: Sure, when I come in my studio um, first thing in the morning, um, I have been going through the Psalms. I've been painting these Psalm paintings uh, 48 by 48 inches. So they're fairly large uh, canvases, but one Psalm one per month. Um, so I started about two and a half years ago. And then at some point I realized, Oh my goodness, you know, this is going to take me like 14, 15 years. <laughs> uh, there's 150 Psalms. One per month is 150 months at least, you know? Um, so it's going to take me a long time to finish, but it, it, I, I wanted to do this to slow down and, and to really immerse myself first thing in the morning. Um, And um, I limit the materials as well. It's different from the illuminations I did or the four holy gospels. Um, These are more meditative, um, minimalistic works. And um, so they are really slowing down to capture um, more eternity time, I hope, uh, Kairos time. And um, and when I started a few of my friends um, found out and one is a remarkable theologian ellen davis at duke um, who mm-hmm. who is a old testament scholar and hebrews scholar and and she asked me what what translation am i using and i listed all the translations i had from robert Alter to um esb and and she said well i think I should translate afresh for you. Wow. (laughs) Every month she's been translating Psalms, you know, because the translations are a bit industrial. Um, Mm. A lot of the choices, um, you know, the Hebrew word radai is translated as dominion, you know, rather than uh, steward, loving stewardship, which Mm. the original word intends. So it's not industrial rapaciousness you know of 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 building things in this in this manifest destiny way Mm -hmm. Uh, it's about caring for the land it's about bringing out what is best um but it's it's been translated that way and and we we take it you know uh uh, christianity has become one of the ways to justify industrial use of the land and uh Mm -hmm. So anyway so that uh, that those things Alan has noticed along the way uh, and and uh, honors the agrarian poetry side of of scripture and especially in the psalms, there's so many ways that you can read um into uh some of these words uh, Hebraic, uh rhythms and words that so she's been doing this. Uh, one of my fellows, Julia Hendrickson, is a fine artist, a visual artist, as well as spoken word artist. So she's been recording <laughs> these for me. And and so I come in the studio uh, first thing in the morning, I turn my uh, uh, iPhone uh, to her reading of Ellen Davis' translation of the psalm that I'm working mm-hmm. on. And then I, I start my day by uh, spending about an hour painting uh, one of the psalm paintings that's yeah. beautiful
2: can i just say how happy i am to be talking to you right now <laughs> thank you for coming on the show
1: absolutely yeah
2: i'm i'm inspired anew
1: Well, let me ask: Are you? Uh, do you know if those translations will ever be released uh, that yeah. we could read them? So
0: yeah, so we just got an um, agreement with Baylor University Press to. Oh, beautiful! Um, it won't be the entire songs; so it will be selected um, uh, with images, and um, so we're really excited that that will be made available you know it'll take 14 years so it better not wait till i complete them.
1: <laughs>
0: it's not up for pre-order yet a little bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no that's that's wonderful though i I will look forward to reading, yeah. reading those someday uh, <laughs> when i'm older yeah. so uh, i wanted to ask you, you know, your book of course called a the theology of making yeah and you make it clear throughout, I think that this is not just a book for artists, but right. it's a book that, that anybody could benefit from. And yeah. at one point you even make, I think a pretty, a pretty bold statement. You say that the first question we should ask when people walk into a church is what did you make? <laughs> and, <laughs> and so it, it got me thinking because it implies that you know, everybody to an extent should be making, yeah. uh, in, in some way. And, but later in the book, you bring up N.T. writes mm-hmm. uh, three pathways mm-hmm. that I think is, is really profound. And and he talks about how, you know, on the one hand, there's the work of compassion and mercy. There's the work of creating beauty yeah. and there's, uh, the, pro- the proclamation of the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, evangelism. Yeah. And so, my question kind of tying these things together is uh does every christian need to be a maker? Mm-hmm. And if if so, um how broad is that definition
0: for you? Right. So we we are makers um whether we like it or not um mm-hmm. and if we are not using our hands to make in some way or fleshing this out uh into um tangible things, um, we will be consumers, you know? Mm. so do you bake your own apple pie or do you buy it? <laughs> you know, uh, those, those are the <laughs> options. And, and uh, of course, there's nothing wrong with purchasing, um, mm. but we, we don't even think about the, 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 the option, right? Sure. And I think during the pandemic, a lot of people have discovered that indeed there are things that we can make um, that can, you know, give us joy and meaning. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so everybody's a maker. Um, we may not be professional makers like I am, I suppose. Um, but that's, that's not the important thing. Um, and, you know, the book is titled Art Plus Faith. That's the artist you're making. And mm-hmm. and you're absolutely right that I, I <laughs> throughout the book, I, I kind of <laughs> redefine all those terms, right? What is, what is art, first of all, given that God is the only artist, true artist, <laughs> I claim. Yes. Uh, what yeah. is faith? Is it, you know, is it in, in, in terms of historic Christian faith? Um, I am, you know, to, uh, very orthodox in my views um, theologically, but mm-hmm. it seems to me that when you read anti Wright's books uh, on the resurrection uh, or Yoga uh, Moltmann or, uh, you know, there, there's this breadth and depth of theology that is uncharted. Uh, especially in terms of new creation, that not only God has made us to be creative and makers, God has um, invited us into uh, new creation. Mm-hmm. And in fact, God <laughs> seems to uh, wait until we create. Uh, you know, I mentioned the example of the Eucharist. Um, Eucharist is the most important Christian at the heart of Christian worship. But, um, you know, you have to use bread and wine, the two things that are notably very difficult to make, to master. Yes. Uh, you know, and uh, anybody who tried to make sourdough bread <laughs> during the shutdown knows, like, it. you know, it takes a while before you can master that. Um, yes. And wine, you know, is, is incredibly difficult art form of uh, farming and, and then, you know, the wine um, that the winemakers have this extraordinary sense of uh, acuity of um, their aromatic capacity to understand uh, grapes and fermentation and so forth, and and it's it's one of the hardest things to make. And so why why did God institute something at the heart of this communal worship that's so difficult and that requires mm-hmm. for us to use our hands and use our land uh, to make? And there's the answer uh, really to, uh, you know, the question why is it important, uh, certainly uh, theologically, to go through this process of making. Uh, well, God instituted this um, as a requirement. It, it, we are makers, and, and we need to cultivate what we do and refine what we do to the extent that it, 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 it can be this exquisite, you know, meal—it's um, this feast, but it's also to remember Christ's sacrifice, right? In the process, mm-hmm. so that is, um, you know, a remarkable uh, communication from the Maker to us little makers. Saying that I'm, I'm actually gonna wait until you make, you know, ten thousand hours of fading to make that (laughs) bread or wine that's drinkable, you know, before I show up. Um, And why would God do that? And and that's the mystery that I think Tom Wright's uh, writings, N.T. Wright, you know, Mm kind of weighs into in his resurrection work and creation work um and it, it was and and you know uh, dr ellen davis as well talks about the role of imagination in making and how mm-hmm. when when the bible talks about our hearts you know we uh, that word is the closest word in english language is imagination so uh, you know we ought to sanctify our imagination sanctify our hearts the spiritual formation begins with sanctifying our imagination and that you know you don't hear that (laughs) you know imagination is suspect right in this culture so you say you know people say you're imagining things that's fantasy you know um and and yet i think biblically and theologically it's, it's it's at the base of our faith
2: Yes. That's so true. I mean, imagination and fantasy is something that we uh, teach our children. I'm a teacher. We teach yeah. our children to graduate from that.
0: Yeah. You know, stop
2: imagining, work with things that are yeah. real. You know, it's, it's so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly.
1: Yeah. When in fact, the hard work of life is trying to get back to the ability to imagine right. again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of been brought home to me that it seems like a lot of the things God wants and desires of us have to do with participation with him. So like you say, with, with making, it's like somehow God desires that we participate in the work of making. And it seems like that, that applies across the board in so many ways, like participating in the work of mercy and justice. Well, I mean, God's the one who's ultimately delivering mercy and justice, but yet we participate and, uh. You know, even in Christ's sufferings, right? That wh- why suffering somehow it's this participation with God yeah. that that He wants us to participate with Him and be like Him, and that, I, all of that is fascinating. Um, but I think it, it comes together a lot in your book. Yeah. One of the beautiful themes that you talk about is just the abundance of God's world and the abundance of God, um, that we, we often have this mindset of scarcity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but if we were creating from an attitude of abundance, that would be so much more beautiful and, and, and more in line with what God desires. So I, I wonder if I could ask, what does that look like practically for a maker or for a, particularly a Christian who's in the arts? Uh, what would it look like to create out of abundance rather than scarcity?
0: Yeah, and I think what artists do well is to they you know we're resourceful creatures and and we may not have um, anything and we lack everything and yet we are not poor you know <laughs> and and we're rich uh, and and so that. Um, this sense of an artist, um, creating something, um, uh, you know, like Vincent van Gogh, you know, or Emily Dickinson, or, you know, these, these artists that, that they, they create this abundance out of very scale, you know, very much at the heart of scarce, um, zero sum game that they're, they're seeing in the world. And they, Mm -hmm. so this capacity, Um, I I want to say is God given capacity that is accessible to all, not all of us again are going to have, you know, masterpieces, (laughs) paintings in every museum, but, um, but we are God's masterpieces. Mm -hmm. Um, And this this is the message of the good news is that God sees us already complete in Christ as this exquisite masterpiece beautiful um, work of um, his, his, you know his own love uh, manifested in us and and so that's what we need to bring into the world that 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 is in fact that, that that is the reason why God has trusted us and trusted us to carry out the work of God's abundance in the world which, we are told, um, because of our fallen nature, because of um, the fracture and the curse that uh, the earth um, has 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 been uh, under uh, because of the fall. We we are the, the, we are the the new creation. You know, we are the ones that has the key to unlock the potential of. Everything of the world um, into new creation. So it, it just it seems, you know, very uh, logical to me to have this picture of abundance when we understand this God and and mm-hmm. to enter through Jesus' sacrifice, um, the you know the Pentecost of abundance of. of possibilities and empowerment that that is given to followers of Christ and and so in that in that sense you know I'm I'm writing uh, this book as an artist um, uh, straight from the studio uh, wrestling with you know scarcity all around me and yet um, I have learned that when I do make and honor the gift that God has given me um, God shows up and God multiplies and everything in the Bible uh, that has that, you know, these miracles um, seem so plausible because you can walk on water if Mm -hmm. you are painting it, you know, and, and so that that that's not a fantasy it's 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 the you know hard work of Im- imagination that is translated into uh tangible work of art absolutely
1: well I, I mean i think i said this in in my review of your book but i i do feel like it's kind of bigger on the on the inside than it is on the outside and Thank you. i i really feel like reading this there are just so many so many things. I, I've almost wanted to highlight the whole thing, uh, which defeated the purpose of highlighting, but highlight <laughs> I, I like the parts I don't want to talk about. Um, but it, it is, it is a beautiful book. And I, I feel like in creating, you know, even this book, uh, even apart from your paintings, it, there is kind of this abundance uh, of, of conversation that springs forth from it. And I love that. Yeah. Um, so thank you for writing it.
0: Well, I mean, that's the greatest gift to me is um, communities that have been made to come alive um, because of the, the potential of the the premise of the book is is that this is a beginning, you know, of of, of a journey. I, in fact, it's it's only one third of what I've written. Um, my editor did a great job of making it concise, and you know. So so you're right it is dense because each of the chapters lead into all sorts of things you know that that opens up possibilities um that you know i i didn't touch in the book but these are things that a community can um enlarge and each each one of us actually brings in something new and fresh into this conversation that i'm very eager to hear about so when i read your review. First of all, it's beautiful because it's not just one person writing; it, it's multiple people responding, yes. which which is, you know, really just fantastic, expansive way of even reviewing a book. I I thought, you know, that uh, this should be a model for, <laughs> you know, every book, you know, because we don't, yes. you know, every single person cannot see the whole. And and there's there's a sense in which I I can't see the whole. The author can't see the whole. And and yes. and so, you know, you you posit certain things, and you do the best you can to invite people into this conversation. And um, I, I think the best book is one that you don't write. You know, it's it's, it's the one that gets um, written in communities, written, written out in you know, children's lives, in, in you know, um, and that 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 is unwritten, and and so the my book is just a catalytic you know beginning piece. Um, I hope. I love that. Yeah.
1: Well, I heard you recently talk about um, kintsugi tables when yeah. you run these kintsugi workshops, and and the community that forms yeah. through those. Uh, and I think it's definitely worth just digging in a little bit into kintsugi because that's a yeah. theme that you talk about a lot in the book. Uh, how it takes these broken fragments and beholds them and uh, ultimately fills them with gold. Yeah. And uh, I think it's profound to me that you use this as as a metaphor for dealing with grief and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think the timing of this conversation is providential for me because... Um, It's been a time of loss for my wife and I uh, Mm -hmm. right now. Um, So I wanted to ask you, you know, for me personally, but for anybody who's going through um, struggles or times of grief, you know, what does it look like to behold our fractures, like you talk about with Kintsugi, and what does it look like ultimately to fill them with gold?
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that journey with me. I, um, um, you know, it it doesn't seem to get any easier, right? I mean, we have become so hardened by 2020 and so many lives that we lost. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like it's easy to get calloused um, about, you know, lives and 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 yet when mm-hmm. when we are facing something that is deeply intimate and deeply meaningful to us and we lose that we we go through this just series of deep deep emotions and the gravity of that that does not and should should not um, be, you know any less for each, each situation and um mm-hmm. so you know Kintsugi tradition which which comes out of the tea tradition of Senorikyu in 16th century japan developed during the feudal war era which which is, is it's crazy because you know these um Things were happening in Japan that was, you know, this ended up in consolidation, but it really was a a series of traumas that that led up to this, including the beginning of Christian persecution. Mm. And Vicky, the tea master, developed this aesthetic that brought brokenness and and vulnerability at the highest virtue. So you were meant to without really using words um, because tea ceremony is done through gestures mostly and you are there in the silence and you're hearing the water being poured into uh, your tea bowl and the mixing of powdered green tea and so forth has led to this aesthetic of vulnerability of Sharing in in this traumatic time, and kintsugi came out of that. Kin is your uh, gold. Uh, tsugi means to mend, uh, but tsugi mm. also means generational. Um, tsugi means to pass on and to the next generation and beyond. Uh, something that is precious to us, and kintsugi literally means to pass on that gold. Mm. Um, and how this came out was, you know, there's a lot of anecdotal um, stories, but um, it really comes out of uh, fractures and war uh, trauma uh, of and and dictatorial powers um, uh, forcing people to uh, be dehumanized and persecuted and 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 out of tea became perhaps the only way at that time to preserve your dignity and humanity, to have any sense of you know this this peace, um, peace that passes all understanding, mm-hmm. and and so you know we we will be um, in few days um, commemorating. 2011, 10th 10th anniversary of the great Tohoku earthquake and tsunami in Japan, Mm. where literally generations of fishing uh, town with generations living wiped away in a single moment. Mm. And when I visited there uh, three weeks after I went up to Ishinomaki area, which is one of the um, fishing villages, you know, the centuries-old fishing village just wiped away um, in a single moment. And uh, they're a grade school up the hill. And um, the children survived because they were at school and the teachers led them out up the hill and yet when I arrived at the school, there were orphans. Uh, many children uh, lost their grandparents and their parents um, that day. Mm-hmm. And I stood there kind of numb and I looked up and there was this fishing boat turned upside down on top of the school. And, you know, I behind me are these large paintings called Walking on Water. Uh, because I started to paint these large paintings um, after uh, coming back from that experience. And, you know, asking this question, can we walk on water? (laughs) Uh, And, and, you know, art doesn't give answers, um, but I think art can ask deeper questions and, and invite Mm -hmm. that to be a portal. And, it became a kind of an energy obviously to the children, but uh, I didn't know this until later, but um, there was a Kintsugi master, a young Kintsugi master who was an antique dealer. And um, he began to do Kintsugi on his own. Mm -hmm. Um, And after 3.11, he decided he will have to go up to Northern Japan to do Kintsugi uh, because he said, Oddly, ceramics, broken ceramics are the sometimes the only thing that does not get washed away. Mm. And so every victim, family's children had, you know, these now treasures of their family members washed away, um, left behind. And, and so he wanted to go up and do kintsugi with them. And then he realized, you know if if I mended the balls, that would mean something for them. But it's better if I can teach them how to do kintsugi. Mm-hmm. And Japan lacquer is notoriously difficult. it's it's uh, it's made from poison sumac, so <laughs> one third of the population is highly allergic. <laughs> you know it's not something you can do with children, and it takes about a right. year to dry sometimes. so it, it's like you know it would be impossible to do that in in a workshop. So he worked with a fishing uh, rod company uh, who was making uh, this new type of Japan lacquer made from cashew nuts. And Mm. this dries uh, in three hours and um, it's just as authentic, but but it's so so it's, you know, it's safe to uh, it's food safe, you know, and and so you can use the ceramics again. If you want to use that rice bowl again, you can use it. Um, so he literally packed these tubes in a medicine bag and went up north and taught these children how to do kintsugi. And I met him soon after that, and and I I just found this metaphor extraordinary. Uh, once you experience doing kintsugi by hand, you know, Nakamura-san, master Nakamura doesn't. Uh, do it for you. (laughs) He teaches (laughs) you how to do it. Um, and you, you sit around with these fragments that you have brought, hopefully, you know, that some, some meaningful, um, thing that you have and you, it takes about three hours to just go through the basic process. But after three hours, you feel like something is happening to your heart, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and you, it's not that you become whole again. Uh, And and the beautiful thing about Kintsugi is that it honors the fractures and it amplifies the fractures. and, And then gold is, you know, either sprinkled on or poured into or painted on top of the fractures, highlighting that. And, you know, so I was, Watching him do, you know, teach me how to do this, and you know, I wanted to learn to teach this to um, be bring it back to us. And uh, we founded, uh, co-founded Kintsugi Academy uh, right. the, as a beginning of this journey, and we're still trying to figure this out. But, um but then I, I was thinking about Jesus, right after the resurrection. You know, mm-hmm. Thomas says. I won't believe until I touch the wounds, nail marks, yes. and of course Jesus shows up and says, "Here we go." You know, uh, go ahead yes. and touch. And Thomas doesn't touch. He he, he worships. Um, he kneels down and worships. And um, and the nail marks are still with Jesus after the resurrection. Yes, and that means. The, you know, I mean, the, this this is enlarged in in my book, but it mm-hmm. through those nail marks, right? By by his wounds we are healed, but it is through those post resurrection nail marks that we are to learn something about our fractures, our ground zero experiences, our traumas and our pain, which is real, you know, which is there. Um, in front of us Mm -hmm. and but at the same time nakamura-san told me that you know and and first of all he he tells you right out when we start the workshop um, you came into this room to with broken things that you Are going to want to fix right then we say yeah I brought this I brought this and he says we're not going to fix anything and we're like confused you know (laughs) what what is this about and you know he says no instead we're going to begin to name our fragments first look at the fragments honor the edges the sharp edges um, the honor, honor even the missing pieces um we are going to spend time reflecting on just beholding the fragments until it becomes beautiful, yes, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, you know <laughs> and i I had a friend with me who is a church leader um, and he said. That was the most profound sermon I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) Nakamura is not a Christian, you know. (laughs) And and, uh, he said, we should, our churches should feel like this. Mm. That we hold, we bring in our fragments and we bring in our brokenness, our experiences of pain and trauma and what we just went through or what we went through 20 years ago or 10 years ago. And there's somebody there that should say, you know, we're not going to fix you. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to behold the fragment that is you. And and until you see that you're beautiful Mm -hmm. and every fracture leads into new creation. And it's through those fractures that we actually learn to harness the power of new creation into the scarcity-ridden, you know, zero-sum game Darwinian world. Mm. And w- if we can even come close to that in our daily lives, in our Kentucky journeys, we will open up the communal way of being and beholding each other's fractures and loving each other And and again, without trying to fix it, trying to say, you know, we have a program for you, (laughs) you know, and instead of may and that's not a bad thing, it's just it's just not, you know, the sole reason, right, for for us being present as Jesus was in Bethany with Mary weeping. Just wasting time, basically, because there was no reason for him to shed any tears. You know, he's the triumphant God, Son of God, who is going to resurrect Lazarus. So, why did he bother to weep? Well, it's because God cares about our pain and our anger and our confusion and our loss. And that is why you know this biblical narrative of this god this this jesus of nazareth is you know is is so present right in 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 our own experience of darkness and trauma and that is at the heart of new creation You know, it's the wounds of Christ that will usher in this new creation.
1: Yes. It feels like if we could, if we could understand the depths of that, right, Christ, weeping yeah and then raising lazarus yeah um like the heart of god and then the power of god then we would be comprehending quite a lot
0: (laughs) right and we we will sense the tear of christ everywhere you know and and i think that's the ultimate gift of Suffering is that we begin to tap into, hopefully, that instead of hardening our hearts, our hearts become softer and open. You know, when you think about this pandemic that we are going through, there's not a single person on this earth that is not affected by this. Mm-hmm. And that is a remarkable statement. <laughs> and yes. that should cause a Christian to say, oh, I my suffering, whatever we had to go through, is not unrelated to some total stranger uh, in Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. We are all connected by this. Yes. And if Christ's tears are real for me, it's real for them. And, mm. you know, if Kintsugi means anything to us, that will also mean something universally to them you know i call this common common curse <laughs> you know taking on the same passage of scripture the common grace mm-hmm. comes from <laughs> in matthew and um yes. you know god sends sun to shine and rain you know, rain upon believers and unbelievers right and and so rain can be a blessing or a curse mm-hmm. yes <laughs> and and so by extension of the common curse, it allows us to experience common grace, because we we are together in this. Um, uh, you know, it's it's not the particular grace that you know um, we talk about in the church as um, part of our sanctification process, um, but it's just as powerful because uh, you know if we understand that. Particular grace of our salvation allows those who, you know, can worship like Thomas <laughs> this distinct privilege of opening up the path toward people who are suffering with us, mm-hmm. right? So, so that allows us to see with a distinct vantage point and and even more immediacy why it is that this. Christ's tears matters um, in, at, at this time for everyone. It's, it's not just those yes. who are religious, it's not those who are, call themselves Christians. and I feel like you know coming to know Master Nakamura, see master, has given me that gift.
1: Mako, I, I really want to be conscious of your time. We did receive a few questions from your friends, okay. a few of your friends and fans. I wonder if I could just ask you those. Absolutely. Be happy. Uh, we got, a, I think, a very related question to what you were just talking about from Sandra McCracken, oh. actually. Yay. And uh, Sandra asks, Mako, what significance is it that the tears of Christ are still here with us yeah. somewhere in this physical world? What does that
0: mean for us? Yeah. So Sandra is in the book. And, um, you know, I traveled to Israel, um, this group tour that we won. And um, I, I stood by <laughs> Sea of Galilee and we, we almost got left behind because <laughs> we we were just, just absolutely... Um, we were by the shore of Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. And um, we were just so... In uh, felt the presence of God, the presence of Jesus there, and mm-hmm. uh, I didn't even notice her because she was on the other side of the shore, and I, I was just kneeling down and pondering. And I, I had gone through some terrible darkness, and I was still kind of foggy from that, and mm-hmm. and and so I, I was thinking, I, I, you know, and this priest came and he said, you know, your bus is about to leave and we need to close the gate, you know. <laughs> and two artists, right, <laughs> who would much rather be locked in, you know, <laughs> like, just leave, you know, leave us alone. Here. <laughs> we'll walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I I think her songs are kind of the answer to her own question. I, I think she's writing into these experiences, Um in, in a way that only she can, um, mm-hmm. I am painting, you know, these walking on water <laughs> paintings in, in ways that only I can. And um, I think the significance of presence of Christ tears today, you know, I make this point that when Christ shed his tears, I, I mean, he's, he's divine, right? So the, these tears are not going to disappear they're going to be multiplied. So mm-hmm. every, you know, uh, ground zero in the world, every trauma, every place of suffering is filled with these tears. So I I, I imagine myself painting with these tears today mm-hmm. um, because, you know, what I use is water-based. It's easy to make that leap. But, you know, I think in some, some sense... That is possible with every artist, that we can sing these tears, we can dance these tears, we can make with these tears, um, because all of us are connected in that way, um, in, in this reality of jesus presence uh and you you don't have to be a christian to (laughs) to be part of that um uh just like nakamara san you know um if you pursue what you do well i think you end up there
2: Mm.
1: we have a question from uh pastor ronnie martin he's on a, a couple of podcasts happy rant the art of pastoring uh, and, and Ronnie recently said on Twitter that uh, your book was the year's first essential read for him. No. Uh, so I think he liked it. <laughs> and uh, and so he, he asked, would you share a word for vocational pastors who are also artists yeah. on why it's important that they maintain
0: a schedule that leaves room for creation? Yeah. First of all, pastoring is an art form. You know, um, you know the word shepherd is poyemen. Right, uh, it's it's, it's that same group of words that you know, poema, po- uh, uh, poetas. Um, so, yes. pastoring is poetry and and artwork, um, and certainly preaching is. Um, but you know, spiritual formation, as I as I said, it requires sanctification of the imagination. Uh, mm-hmm. It actually starts there. So you know we we uh, if you're if you're a pastor you are already working on um, you know christ's artwork um, of, of the church uh the bride uh, who, the, the, that is adorned um, beautifully and we are you know facilitating uh, this Prenuptial <laughs> wedding fees to come, you know, to plan mm. for that. We are wedding planners, you know, mm. and uh, we 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 need to, I think, take seriously the, the the both the power of that and and the excellence that would require for us to do our utmost for mm. a king. Uh, and and to prepare a congregation um, to also bring their best um, for this cosmic wedding to come, you know and and so I realized it's been a very difficult time for pastors. Um, you know, they were asked to do these social, um work of mending without ever being able to hug anybody or to see anybody or yes. it, it's, it's it's I can't imagine um the the difficulties um, and and frustration of pastors right now mm-hmm. um I think time will come uh, soon where we can gather in small groups and and but w- when we do you know it's not going to be new it's not going to be back to normal you know the the world has changed and Mm -hmm. we have to allow that to kind of permeate in everything that we do and really take stock of the things that we learned during this time this Mm -hmm. long lenten season (laughs) that we've had um To really be able to uh, be more compassionate, be more creative, be more imaginative, uh, you know, and and really change the paradigm of what a church ought to be, not to patch up the old wineskin, but to create new wineskins. And... If you're an artist and a pastor, praise God because you're well suited for (laughs) understanding this new challenge. You know, the future of of the church is going to require people like yourself to be able to integrate your imagination and creativity into tangible, somatic ways that we can, you know, uh, manifest the good news into our communities.
1: Yes. Well, a few years ago, you uh, recommended that we bring Andrew Nemmer yes. out to an event, and we got to know Andrew and, and just love him and his work. Oh, his. And uh, so tap dancer Andrew Nemmer sent in a question, and he asks, you are known for your depth and thoughtfulness in making and thinking. Is there an activity that you practice or find yourself practicing just for fun?
0: <laughs> well, I need to have a conversation with him because I'm just... <laughs> began to, uh, one of the chapters left out as theology of play, um, oh, and theology of humor. Yeah. And so I, I've been working on this and, um, I think the next book is, is going to include it at least. Um, and, and so, oh yeah, there's, there's a lot of things <laughs> I like to do uh, for fun and, uh, and they're not necessarily meaningful activities as much as, you know, they are just, um I, I love the gar- garden. Um I guess that's meaningful, oh, yes. but you know, they, there's Absolutely. a lot of gardening that, that is not, uh, that is not necessary gardening. You know, it's like composting. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I enjoy composting, but, but <laughs> I, I have this warm bin <laughs> in, the, the, in my basement that I, I kind of, have this secret affection to and i i put stuff in there and these worms you know like 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 they're they're just delightful because they they have so much generativity built into them and i i um and uh just just yesterday i i installed these um mason bee uh houses i don 't know if you know about mason bees, but we're having trouble with uh, with honeybees um so mason bees are these harmless bees that are god's gift to pollination <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> of of everything and and so um i'm trying to um be kind to them so they they will live in my farm um Oh, yes. <laughs> so those, those things plus you know cooking uh i love going out uh with a friend of mine to fly fish once in a while i'm not a very good fisherman i just like to watch <laughs> my friend catch fish but uh you know absolutely that's also great too <laughs> I, don't, I don't
1: know if this is what andrew was
0: expecting like <laughs>
1: what do you do for fun worms yeah. bees <laughs>
0: I'm like a little child. I'm fascinated by these things, discoveries of new creatures. It sounds
2: like you still have imagination. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do.
1: That childlike wonder. Yeah. It's great. Uh, One final question. We received a question from theologian Ellen Davis, who you mentioned uh, earlier in the podcast. And Ellen asks, what are some of the new growing edges you perceive in your own theology of making? And what is stimulating that growth?
0: Well, my conversation with Ellen and the <laughs> colleagues at Duke uh, Psalms Project, and we're co-teaching a class with with a Jewish scholar, um, um, and uh, coming up, and uh, I'm really excited about that. I, I do realize that theology of making. Uh, I'm just beginning to understand it, and if everything that I've written in this book is, 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 an, you know, opening to a more generative discussion, um, uh, it's going to be fun um, because it opens up all sorts of ways that uh, we, 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 especially in Christian culture has not done well, uh, including humor, play, uh, including these things that, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we tend to, Associate uh, with the margins r- rather than you know what we call the center of mm-hmm. of worship, um, um, and you know there are significant connections with, for instance, beauty and justice, um, that I, I think is is quite uh, powerful. Um they because mercy and beauty are both things that Darwinian universe can't account for, we try, yes. but you know there's been many written books written on this, but they're largely <laughs> unsatisfactory because they they loop around the same premise of materialist universe, mm-hmm. and you can't account for why do you spend time teaching the uh, special ed uh that that yes. that is, like you know, uh, that's just the opposite of Darwinian survival of the fittest. Uh, I appreciate and, that's, that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's precisely why it's essential, right? What you're doing is essential because that allows the kingdom to break into through the fractures, um, in, into unexpected places in, in unexpected ways, and and so th- those those are you know what i call new, new creation stories you know they're everywhere um and i'm just looking forward to hearing more uh, discovering more um and uh, as an artist i'm always you know my antenna is out but uh, um this this is opened up uh, and and this conversation with theologians have meant so much to me uh with Tom oh, Wright thanks. and Alan Davis Mirzov, Wolf and uh, has really sparked my imagination to understand theology better so
1: absolutely well uh, mako on behalf of <laughs> myself and the the whole forefront team thank yeah. you so much for joining us today thank you, thank you for your time absolutely um, thank you for your book Yeah. Uh, so for those of you who are listening please do pick up art and faith the theology of making And, uh, please, you know, read it and and let us know your thoughts and your comments. And we want to continue this conversation and until next time, keep pursuing authentic faith and excellent art.